I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Do you take pride in your work? What does that mean to you? Our passion for the business that we run, the services that we offer, fuels the pride that we take. When we have passion, we have pride because we know that there's something to back up what we say we're going to do. On today's episode, Savannah Westwood, owner of The Savvy Sitter, rejoins the podcast. She was previously on episode 47. She talks about what it means to have pride in her work, a unique service that she offers to her clients, and how to know when you're overcommitted. Let's get started. Sure. Thank you for having me back, Colin. Hi, everyone. My name is Savannah Westwood, the owner of the Savvy Sitter Pet Sitting and Dog Walking LLC. We proudly service the Winter Garden, Windermere, and Horizon West areas, along with some of the surrounding areas. Um, We provide pet sitting, dog walking, overnight stays, and a plethora of other services for our clientele. And we just turned seven years old as of June of 2022. 2014, the last quarter, um, was pretty a, a rough patch for me. I had some health issues and some big changes and transitions in my life. And, um, you know, the opportunity came that I could start my own business. And it, again, it was a great business to start. It was something I was good at, but it wasn't creating the revenue stream that I needed. So people heard about my availability and know, knew how good I was with animals and pretty much word got out. So we pretty much evolved <laughs> from organizing excuse me, to pet sitting and dog walking. And, you know, it, you know, it was a hard transition because I was so dead set on, you know, wanting this to work, but I'm, you know, where I am now, seven years, it's definitely a night and day experience. So uh, you, you said it was, it was a hard transition because was that because you were, you saw yourself more as the, the, the organizer and didn't quite see yourself as the, the, the pet sitting dog walking kind of thing? Or, or why was that a rough transition for you? I think it was like seeing almost like it was a failure um, mm-hmm. because you wanted something so badly to work out. And I think that carried over from my last uh, 2014 quarter. So, you know, like it wasn't, I have to remind myself that it, it wasn't a failure. It was more of an evolution. So it still was my own business and it's mine. Um, it just went a different route, you know, than I was expecting. And sometimes, you know, I jokingly say divine intervention, you know, kind of made what it is today for my business. So I, you know, just followed the path and kind of the direction that I was seeing before me. So, and that, that is, that's almost impossible to fully comprehend in the moment of, mm-hmm. is this a failure? Is this a transition? Am I evolving? Am I a different person right now? We do have those moments of kind of, of, of a lot of doubt about ourselves of going, no, I thought, I thought that was the direction I was headed. That's who I, that was the identity that I thought I had. And we can find ourselves kind of dragging our feet or pushing off a lot of this stuff. What do you think it was about that, that finally got you walking down the path of of becoming the, the savvy sitter? Well, I totally agree with that statement, like being in it, you know, you can't see the forest before the trees situation. So you have to, when you're present, obviously in that 
moment of, I guess, grief and that emotion that you can't see what potentially lies before you. So I think as time went on, you know, and again, looking back now, seven years, that's, you know, you can look back on it like a little bump in the road. So (laughs) (laughs) it's put into a lot better context and, uh, and, and view from that, from that much further on. Uh, What, what do you, what do you feel like, or maybe you do or don't, um, your, your past is doing the professional organizing and in that background, do you, how has that helped set you up for success in your current business? Um, I, you know, you're going to laugh at me. So I actually kind of came up with a few other little tricks to help myself keep organized. So, um, I have my own little collection of leashes (laughs) (laughs) in my car. Um, but you know, those little, um, hangers that you can hang belts on in Mm -hmm. the closet. I actually have one in my car for my leashes. So they're not all a hot tangled mess. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I have all these cute little, like, um, foldable, collapsible, um, um, bins, you know, where I have like more leashes, poop bags, treats, toys. So I, I, it's still there, but, um, it's just kind of, again, that me wanting to be organized, um, just for me, for my sake. And it kind of reflects into my business. Um, my books are very tidy. My accountant loves me for it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so it, it's, it's, it's definitely ingrained to me and it definitely a transition uh, translates into the business. Cause I have, I think I mentioned on the previous podcast that I have a list for my clientele as far as, you know, like a checklist for them to, you know, when they're getting ready to leave, like, did we leave, you know, the, the cleaning supplies out? Um, did we notify our neighbors, you know, um, did we tell her where, when the garbage is going out and um, we actually transitioned to the time to pet software. So now that we have, they're able to take in more information um, for our clientele to better service them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just thinking ahead on a lot of those and problem solving. And that's, you know, organization comes down to just a lot of problem solving of where are my pain points and then what do I need to do about that to overcome that and make sure that I can do that consistently. Right. I jokingly tell my clients when we're doing any type of interview or meet and greet is like, we try to at least have plans A through D done for you. If anything exceeds that expectation, we're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, again, you can't plan for everything, but the the, the part of planning is just having a plan to begin with. Like That sets Uh you both apart from a vast majority of people, but also sets you up for a lot of success because once a plan is in place, it can be adapted and changed a lot easier than having to come up with with something totally new and foreign to you on the fly. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell you a quick story real quick, um, Colin, but um, not a lot of my other colleagues I have found do this, but we always ask for two points of entry um, just in case the first one fails. And they tend to ask us, why do you need two? I'm like, well, there was this one time when the garage came off the railings. There was this another time when the, there was lightning struck the house and the battery uh, to the code, the door code wasn't working. <laughs> uh, I've and like, I've heard stories of, and thank God it hasn't happened to me of the key snapping in the keyhole. And I'm just like, I like, if I rather have that two points of entry. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, 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 we have policies for 
for very real reasons, whether we experience something or something has happened to an, an acquaintance or another business that we're aware of. And that's, that's one of the powerful reasons to be connected with other sitters and in a community like that, because you can fast track a lot of that learning process and have a lot higher um, quality policies and procedures in place because of the lessons other people went through that now you can benefit from and when you're interacting with your clients and, and caring for their pets. Yes, I, I always encourage them to have at least one key um, in a lockbox. And sometimes I get a call from the client like, do you remember our code? Because we locked <laughs> ourselves out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, that's a new service, a lockout service where you can come and help them get into their home. <laughs> now, uh, on your on your website and, and also when you introduced yourself, um, you said that you you proudly serve areas and you, you, you proudly do dog walking and pet care. And uh, that that struck me because I don't think that that's a word I hear a lot of people use and talking about themselves and their line of work in this industry. So. I wanted you to talk about having pride in your work and kind of where that comes from. Sure. Um, I, again, it was a very kind of, you know, I, when you asked me that question, like, Oh, okay. Like, was this something that's just not said that often? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, when I was thinking about it, it was, um, I think pride goes along with passion. And Mm. if you don't have any passion for what you do, you're not going to take pride in doing it. So um, I feel like in the industry, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, again, you're not going to have pride in what you're doing. Um, and I think physically, if you're referring to my website, as you mentioned, um, we it's also reflecting on the locations that we serve as well. Um, I grew up here where I served, like Winter Garden, Windermere, and I was actually born in San Diego, California, but I've lived here over 30 years. So I've seen it grow and expand and, you know, change from what it was to what it is now, which is a very um, popular area where people want to move to where when I was a little kid, it was all orange groves. And um, pulling from my moving industry background, um, pre-pandemic, about a thousand people were moving into the area per day or not my area, but into the state of Florida. And now During the pandemic and post-pandemic, that number has gone up to 1,600 per day. Wow. So if you could look out my window right now, Colin, you would definitely see um, a lot of new construction homes. Houses are still on the market here for sale. Um, New apartments and stuff are going up. My mom actually just showed me um, she was at a conference down in South Florida because she works in kind of the real estate industry, and she was showing kind of excuse me, everyone um, coming into the state are either buying or renting. And it's pretty like head to head as far as how, you know, close those two are, like it's, it's pretty much dead even, you know, people are buying and renting around the same pace. So the, the area, you know, you mentioned the, the, the pride of like you're, you know, this is an area that you're in, like it's uh-huh. so, to, and how it's connected to, to the passion really linking those, I, I feel like is important because that means that you're going to, you're going to do things differently. Right, you're going to pay more attention. You're going to strive to be 
better educated. You're going to strive in your services to continue to to be better and to try new things. It really wraps up a lot into that. And if we we don't have that passion, if we're not connected to that why in our service and our business, the the, the pride isn't going to be there for 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 very many reasons. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be your hometown or where you currently live because people do move. But you know. Be have great pride in where you're at because there's a reason why you're there. Um, and each you know community has its own customs and cultures and traditions and events. And yes, there's some probably growing pains and some grumblings, but you know I'm proud of where you know I live. And so, how are, how are you handling or what are you doing for your business in an area of such rapid growth? Uh, are you are you changing anything about marketing services offered or anything like that? I would probably say more prominently, we're definitely having a stronger social media presence um, and more of a expert and advisor in the community and just a great resource. You know, I tell clients all the time, even if they don't hire me for services, like we want to be a resource, not only for your pet, but for you, because I've lived here for so long. I know all the little secrets and, you know, where to go to eat, to get a great steak, you know, (laughs) all that, (laughs) all that fun stuff. Like this is the mechanic you want to avoid, (laughs) you know? Um, So I think that's important, you know, to be that sort of advisor, you know, um, I've been asked kind of somewhat, uh, in the past couple of months to be a moderator on one of our popular community pages. And, you know, a lot of my clients as well have said like, Savannah, we see you posting on, um, social media pages all the time, you know, like here are some of the preferred partners, you know, this is what you do when you, when a, there's a lost dog or a missing pet, you know, mm. um, like here's some, you know, this is what you should be asking your vet or when you're trying to interview a vet or a groomer or a trainer. Um, here are some local like dog friendly restaurants and cafes and dog parks. So again, being that resource, you know, goes a long way. in again, that rapidly growing area, because you are seen as the expert in the field. Well, and in some ways, it's a it's a little bit easier to get in front of those kind of new people to an area because they are naturally looking for a lot of information to make their life possible. They're already asking, where's the best steak? Where's the best mechanic? They're already asking, what dentist do people go to? So getting in front of them when they're already in this mode of asking questions is is wonderful. I know we have a community page that we're that we're members of and uh, it's for just the area. It's like, hey, do you have a question about the area? This is where you go. And posting in there has been extremely beneficial because it's where people go for for area-specific questions. They don't really go to Google. They go to this Facebook group because they know there's a wealth of knowledge, kind of institutional knowledge of both locals and new people of what they're kind of trying to get at. And so being in there has been really beneficial for us. And it's interesting to hear kind of it's been been similar experience for you. And I definitely think it's an untapped resource for a lot of pet sitters. Um, I know our page is pretty prominent, and I know there are several pages like that for uh, specific areas. But outside of that, I'm not sure, you know, if there even is a type of page like that, you know, in, let's say, Miami or um, Tallahassee or, you know, all that fun stuff. But it, it doesn't hurt to look or even start your own version of it. So. 
Yeah. And again, the things that you're posting there, they're not, hey, this is, you know, I walk dogs. This is my price. It's uh-huh. the educational stuff. That That is key. And, and we get, uh, I, I think that that too is an area of not just where to post, but now what we post. That's always the question next of what kind of things do I need to post to get in front of people? It's educate. It's it's be that genuine resource, and if nothing if nothing else, if it's just a listicle of five places where you can take your pet, that's really beneficial to people. People love sharing that kind of information. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan, the pet gal, has this to say: Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confession. One of the services that you that you offer are called Park Playdates, and I was really curious to see how you structure these and kind of what the thinking is behind them. So it's somewhat, I think, a controversial um, service to offer um, only because their um, insurance is obviously a big question mark, and obviously you don't know all the dogs going to the park. But again people don't know my location. So we have a lot of kind of semi-private communities um, in our area that, you know, have the HOAs that they're not gated. So anybody can kind of go in, Um, but they have their own kind of private dog parks. So, um, and a lot of our clients, you know, know each other. So that's, you know, how they refer me out is like, oh, you need a dog walker pet sitter. We use Savannah, give her a call. Here's her information. And chances are, you know, the dogs had some form of interaction with each other or they met up at the dog park prior. So um, if I'm, you know, have two clients in the same neighborhood, like I literally have like five that are like probably two or three houses down from each other. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, you know, call the owners like, Hey, I'm walking Max today. Um, do you mind if I come by and grab Finney? Um, and we can go to the dog park. So, and when we go to the dog park, it's usually dead. So we're besides myself and the, the dogs that I bring over. So it's basically almost a private dog park because everyone's usually out at work. So that's a, that's a very different take on, on what I think many people who, when they hear park play dates may think of of their thinking of the big open public mm-hmm. parks where any any Joe Schmo can come with their dog. Now I obviously there's still that that risk. You don't know a hundred percent of the dogs in that community, but being in a private community and a private dog park does insulate you at least a, a little bit from a lot of those other potential interactions. Mm-hmm. And we always make sure like you know, you've met, you know, so-and-so before and like, yeah, they get along great. Mm -hmm. So as long as we get like consent from both owners, it's not a big deal. So we just make sure that, you know, everybody's aware that we're going to the dog park and, you know, and if there's another dog that we don't know, we're, we're probably going to go to the next dog park over because there's a large dog park and a small dog park. Yeah. And and many of us may be listening, thinking of private communities 
that we service or know about or trying to get into. And that may be an interesting service to offer them as, as a perk of using them as use, or using your services of, Hey, I can do this for you. And I will take them to this area where they're already familiar with, where they already maybe have, have friends. And so that may be something we can think about as far as an add on or an additional service that we only provide to certain areas. There's still these safety precautions and there's still these things that are being put into place uh, mm-hmm. be- because of the unprotected nature of those. But again, I think it is really important to kind of couch this in a discussion of the kind of park that you're that this is actually talking about. Right. So I think when you sent me that question, I think you were under the assumption of like, oh, she's going to the um, the, or- the county parks. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could potentially, but that again, it's that safety issue because I don't know who's coming in. Like again, the, the Joe Schmo, as you told lovingly called them could come in and with their untrained dog and you know it could be a hot mess so yeah yeah and now that you phrase that i mean i'm 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 sitting here thinking of three or four different private communities that we service that have a dog park and we currently don't take their dogs there but i i'm i'm kind of processing this in real time now thinking of like Oh, that that could definitely be something that I structure uh, for it to provide to those clients in those areas because uh, I, I think that kind of helps refine it a little bit and sets a little bit better boundaries about that because if you put that out there, I'm sure – I, I don't know if you get questions or p- uh, cl- potential clients asking to take to the big dog parks, uh, but it kind of can help insulate you from some of that as well. It's not a question that gets asked a lot, but okay. I do mention – you know, if I'm going to one of those communities that I have an established clientele and it's a new client, I mentioned them like we can walk the like the dog parks within walking distance of a lot of homes. Yeah. So it's an easy hop, skip, and a jump, literally. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> when you think about or just you know reflecting on your the services that you do offer, I did want to know kind of what what do you see as being the most popular? And then my follow up question that is why? Why do you think that is? Um, so definitely our most popular services are the dog walking. So this could be any time during the day, obviously lunchtime. And we actually have a lot of clients that need like dinner and evening services as well. Um, that is definitely one of our populars, the vacation clients. So the multiple pet visits or one pet visit, depending on the animal per day while people go away and the overnight stays. Regards to the the daily dog walks, obviously people work, you know, are are now back in their offices and whatnot. Um, We do service a lot of Disney clients, uh, so people who work for Disney. So their hours are a little bit different. Um, So we have some people that kind of do like the the late afternoon, evening shift. So like I have a client that goes in like at one or two and then doesn't get back to like 10 o'clock at night. Um, Mm. So they they have those types of, so that's a, pretty prominent and requested services are those evening dinner time visits. Um, the vacation visits are, you know, kind of spoken for themselves, like people wanting to go away and they're not wanting to board, but the overnights, um, are definitely something that we get seen a lot of requests for. Um, in particular, it's when there's a multiple pet home or there's a pet with some medical issues or anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a popular service. And I think they like the added bonus of um, someone is taking care of the house as well. So I actually made sure I, I put the story in here, but we had an incident back in March of 2021 
where um, the house was just renovated, completely renovated head to toe, well, well, ceiling to floor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Roof to foundation. Yeah, roof to to foundation. Um, And I was staying, his name was Hershey, and he was a little Yorkie. And it was was a multi-million dollar home um, in a private community. So I got there that night. And I hear some kind of the pipes groaning a little bit. I'm like, eh, it's probably, you know, you're a little bit more sensitive to sounds in a, in a place that you're not familiar with. Yeah. So I'm like, I didn't pay much mind to it because it's, you know, you know, it's probably, you know, water pressure changing in the house or whatever. So I wake up the next morning and I'm on an island. <laughs> <gasps> oh, <laughs> so the water was pretty much surrounding the bed. Hershey was sound asleep floating on his dog bed. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, I, I walk out and the water's coming from the gym area and it's all wooden floor. So I'm in my flip flops and the, the wooden floor is like squishing underneath and pushing more water out. And luckily I knew where the main water line is and I turned off the water. Thank God to the house. Um, and I called the client. They weren't even gone like 12 hours <laughs> wow. this happened. So um, if I was doing like traditional visits, that would have probably been more water damage. Cause I probably would have been there another hour or two later. Yeah. <laughs> so needless to say um, that was a very memorable overnight stay. <laughs> Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, do, now, do you do you enjoy doing the overnights? Because I know many people get into pet care and they think that they have to do overnights, that they have to do that, but they are homebodies. They miss their bed. They don't like living out of a suitcase for days on end. How how do you how do you process that kind of uh, transition that you're kind of going through from overnight to overnight? Well, raising the price helps a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So like, I think it's the question of like, price wise, can I leave my bed for $150 per night for a couple nights? Okay. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think, because I think initially when, you know, any pet sitter or dog walker starting off and they're wanting to offer overnight surgery is like 30 nights. Uh, third sorry, thirty dollars, seventy dollars. You know, yeah. I'm just like, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I started at that point, but it's like, how much is being in my bed worth? You know, having and being home. Um, and I have clients that will happily pay that amount, um, because they know that I'm going to be there. You know, when I say I'm going to be there, um, and I also I think limiting myself to how many overnights I can do. I think the longest I ever did was like over 18 days. <clears throat> so, but it was a nice home and it was comfortable. And I think that's a, a big thing. And I joke, my mom jokingly tells this story. And, and another thing is about is asking. So I was staying at a client's house. The mattress was super hard. I woke up with my back aching every time. Mm. So when they called and asked me to do another overnight service, I asked them, can you please, please put a mattress pad on top of the bed? (laughs) (laughs) And they said, that's not a problem. You should have said something earlier. And I'm and sure by God, they, they put one down for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) by my next visit. 
So sometimes, you know, having those creature comforts, like I know sometimes um, clients ask, you know, can we get you anything as far as like food or whatnot, you know? Yeah. I think depending on, again, the client, like they're making sure that you're comfortable, you know, being there as well helps. So it's not just, you know, I'm just bringing my stuff and I'm there. Like, like, do you want apples? Do you want certain types of food? You know, all that fun stuff. So, yeah. And I love that not being afraid to ask a question, right? To make uh-huh. your job a little bit easier, to make your life a little bit easier. And that goes for whether you're staying over at a client's home or not. I know one thing that I consistently com- come back to a lot is please, could you please leave out spare towels for us by the door when we come Uh in? Because it's a headache for me to try and clean up your floor and to, you know, to get your dog clean and scramble around and try and find this stuff. So just asking, can you please do this for me? And that may be a breaking point. You may discover, you know what, it's not worth it to continue to service somebody if they're not willing to do this thing for me. And you only get to that point if you if you ask and you make requests and you have that conversation with the client. That is is critical to understand that this is a two-way communication that we're having. Of They have requests and asks of us, and we certainly have requests and asks of them. Yes, I, I totally agree with the two-way street. And, you know, the wor- I always tell clients, like, the worst I can say is no, and the worst that you can say is no. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, 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 that's the worst thing that can happen. And then you, you get to decide, okay, now, now what do we do from here? I got my mattress pad, so I, I got what I wanted. <laughs> there you go. I'm so <laughs> Now, you, you also have been hiring staff. And, uh-huh. and I, I was curious um, when, you know, how that process has been going for you and, and also do they do all of the same services that you currently provide yourself? Okay. So going back to the list. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> this is the organizer part of me. I know. So, <laughs> um, so I probably started hiring my first or second year, um, into the business. It was an accident of, I double booked myself without realizing it. Um, oopsie on my part, but, um, I had a contact at the Wolfgang bakery, which is a dog boutique and uh, grooming salon. And I was great friends with the owner and I knew the, um, the person at the register and I asked her point blank. I'm like, would you be interested in working for me? She said, (laughs) she said, yeah, she said yes. So, and I knew she was, you know, thoroughly background checked and, you know, like this, the owner wouldn't just hire anybody, you know, so I knew I was in good hands with that. Um, in regards to, um, the hiring, you know, I guess the timeline of that, it just kind of started to tack on little bit by little bit. So I think when we last spoke, Colin, I had about two or three assistants plus myself, and now that's doubled. So I have six, um, nice. including myself. And some of it is, I think some of the stories I think we hear a lot is the client wanting to come work for you. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I had my first experience. I'm like, you want to do what now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to come work for me. Like, Oh, okay. Um, here, here's our paperwork. Um, yeah. you, 
you kind of know what we do. So um, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it's um, word of mouth as well. Um, yeah. So when I was pu- pulling out feelers, I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for some extra help. And a lot of it was through my other assistants. And if it wasn't through them, it was through their friends that they knew. Um, ironically, which is, I think a compliment to um, how you treat people. Um, my first assistant, um, she had to leave town um, to go take care of some family matters out of state. So I lost her, sadly, as you know, everyone kept asking for her. I'm like, where is she? I'm like, she had to go and take care of some things. So she's not here anymore. Yeah. I, I kid you not, Colin, I get a text like probably at the beginning of December Hey, Savannah, I'm coming back into the town. Can I come work for you again? <laughs> oh, yay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, people have been asking for you. <laughs> so um, in regards to, I guess, the same, uh, if they provide the same services, I do. Um, yes and no. So I have some client, um, some assistants that will do the overnights. I have some that will not. I will have some clients that will do, um, have usually some size restrictions in the animals that they service or breed restrictions. So I'm just mindful of that. So I primarily go do the meet and greet first, just to kind of like see what the situation is, or I bring somebody that is available and, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, it's cats. Um, it's two small dogs. It's a German shepherd. You know, it's a, it's a guinea pig. It's a pot-bellied pig. It's a parrot, you know, just kind of going through the back of my head. I'm like, this is a, and the location, I'm like, this is a good fit for so-and-so. This is a good fit for so-and-so. This is not a good fit for so-and-so. <laughs> so, um, so we're just going back because they all have their preferences and specialties like we all do. And I yeah. jokingly put in the notes, like, I will not do snakes. Savannah Savannah will not do snakes. And in my seven years of doing this, I have not had to do snakes. And hopefully that will stay that way. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not break that streak. Yeah. Just not a good streak. Nope. Nope. No snakes for Savannah. (laughs) And so is that that a conversation you have with them as you're bringing them on of what are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? Or is this just what you've learned about them and their preferences over time? Well, it's when we're, we kind of sit down and go over coffee. Um, and a lot of these people I've known for many, many years personally. So I kind of know a little bit of their, their backgrounds and stuff like that. So, you know, I ask them kind of point, like, is there things that are you comfortable doing or not doing, you know? And I tell them like, this is the services that we provide. These are the types of animals that we normally see. Do you have any problems with either of them? And I usually bring up the, the topic of me not wanting to do snakes and that usually breaks the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, that's nice that you have something to point to as an example, because I'm sure (laughs) I I know when we interview people, they say, no, anything and everything's perfectly fine. I don't care, but they're not quite thinking the breadth of animals that we could potentially care. Right. And so being very specific of like, okay, you said everything scorpions still good. And they're like, wait, what? That's, that's a thing. (laughs) Well, I, I definitely seen Colin and I was going to mention this, like we're definitely seeing a lot more exotics um, coming into our realm i just finished taking care of an oxalotl oh they're so cute (laughs) i know they always look like they're smiling and then when i when i go to networking events you know like our our tagline all creatures great and small we're not kidding yeah (laughs) um so like obviously dogs and cats are our bread and butter but i've done poison dart frogs i've done several different types of geckos and lizards and turtles and tortoises 
saltwater fish, freshwater fish, koi fish, snails, crabs. What else is there? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Several different types of birds, chickens, goats, pigs, horses, cows. Yeah. Yeah. The the oxalotl is probably the most interesting one. And the poison dart frogs. Everyone's like, people keep those as pets. I'm like, yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's incumbent upon us, uh, to, as we start this process of bringing on staff is, is going and part, making them part of our team of is educating them on that. Like it really is not just educating them on how to take care of certain pets, but also not just our policies, but also all of the, the types of animals that mm-hmm. we could encounter because we want to, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that you kind of, curtail who's going to be on visits based off of their their wants and kind of what, where their specialties are. I know other yeah. companies decide, hey, everybody has to be able to do everything. And so we kind of have to either we have to meet somewhere in the middle for for yeah. care. So I think it's I think it's when you're bringing on staff, you can you get to make that decision of how you're going to structure that. Right. And I think, you know, being understanding of, you know, people's preferences and limitations is important though, because you want them to be able to provide again, that passionate and prideful care. You know, like I, one of my assistants is not a personal fan of pit bulls because a pit bull apparently attacked and killed her dog. Mm. Um, and she's, she's like, I would prefer not to, but I, it's, it's not the same dog, you know, as far as, you know, what happened to me and my pet. So it's just being mindful of like, cause again, you don't know, you know, why they have those personal preferences and limitations. Like Savannah hates snakes because she feels like she walks across them every day of her life, <laughs> which is a true statement. Yeah. So, I mean, that's being, you know, courteous and mindful as an employee or serving employer. The National Association of Professional Pet Sitters in-person conference is now just three months away. Join sitters from across the country in New Orleans for three days of excellent, high-impact speakers. They'll be covering topics like employee versus independent contractor, building your dream pet sitting business, strategic growth and marketing, and one talk about the life of a professional pet sitter by Megan and myself on Saturday night. The event is March 3rd through 5th at the Conference Center on 11. Get registered today at PetSitters.org. And you mentioned that you'd hired in your first or second year because you had kind of double booked on a set uh-huh. occasion. That, that leads me to a, a question that I, I want to ask you as far as knowing when you have overcommitted uh, uh-huh. in, in, in a business and kind of how you – what are some warning signs to you both in the business and, a, and at a personal level? Okay, so we're going to go into the philosophical portion of this. Um, (laughs) So the commitment, um, I think it's more of an exchange and and an agreement to something. It's a promise. So um, usually the school of hard knocks is our greatest teacher. Um, So learning what those are and and those limitations – are different for everybody. So mm. like people kind of jaw drop when, you know, I say I can sound my most visits I ever done is like between 24 visits in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people think like, that's a lot. And then other people is like, Oh, I do that in a day. Yeah. <laughs> so I think understanding, you know, as far as being overcommitted, you know, what your limitations are and then learning 
um, from those experiences, like how much you can do and looking at your, your team and your staff and knowing what those limitations are themselves before you commit them to something like that. So it's also, again, that exchange. So it's the promise and agreement, but you're also getting something in return. Mm. So whether that be monetary growth for yourself, goal wise, you know, um, time as well. So, um, it's when those returns from the commitment, when it's not as valuable or it's not worth that commitment anymore. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, I used to serve as Dr. Phillips, which is a neighboring area to Winter Garden and Windermere. So it was about a 20, 30 minute drive, give or take. Um, we serviced that area initially. We had for many years. And when we were getting into the 2021, so March 2021 um, of this year, the it just the timing wasn't right. So we were starting to lose clients because of age and um, health reasons and moving out. And we were basically trickled down to one client per day over in that area. Mm. So we were committed to servicing that area, but the return value on it wasn't enough to continue that commitment. So we had other opportunities um, and that were closer to home. So do we commit still committed to that one client that we service Monday through Friday and for an hour round trip for one service and potentially sacrifice and have other clients suffer because, you know, we run into traffic just for that one client. That's when, you know, being committed is not worth it anymore. It's that, again, that exchange of the time, you know, the, the value and all that fun stuff. So we decided, and it was kind of, again, that, that path that you didn't see it before you, but there were like little nudges that were pushing you in that direction. Um, the, our, our contact over at the Wolfgang Bakery was selling the business. So they were no longer going to be owners. We lost several clients due to age and moving out. And we, we weren't getting a lot of inquiries for services over in that area to make up for those losses. So we mm. just had that one client. It didn't make sense to continue to service when uh, we had other inquiries closer to home. So again, as much as commitment is important, you also have to make sure that it's a good exchange for that commitment of time and value. It, it's interesting you mentioned that because we just went through something similar for coming up uh, into into the holidays when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had our schedule set. Uh, we had our routes planned and then someone requested and they were 27 minutes away. And technically it could have worked. It could have been done. But when we sat and thought about what we were asking our staff to commit to of, mm-hmm. of an hour of drive time to hit that client and then come back versus having a little bit of downtime and space in their day, it mm-hmm. just it doesn't it didn't matter that he was willing to pay our price. It wasn't worth it uh, for the mental and the the mental burden, the drive time, everything involved in that. It just didn't add up. Now, you know, right. sometimes you may look at that and go, "Okay, well, now what I need to do is I need to try and drum up business over there to make it worth my time." And that's that's certainly a decision that you can go and do as a business to try and, you know, again, capitalize on the time of while I'm over there, let's see if I can get two or three more visits to make it worth it. But 
if you don't want to do that, if you're not interested in growing in that way, you have full right to retract and go, no, I, I'm not going to commit to myself to that. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, just going back on, like, you know, your limitations, yeah. you know, it's under and understanding those. And that comes with obviously time and experience and learning to say no. I know initially, like with many new pet sitters, I think no is such a taboo word because you're wanting to build that clientele that you're afraid to say no. And in you're emotionally invested in, you know, what people think of you. So I think as experience and time has gone, you know, I, you can definitely say, you know, you can look at, you know, is it worth it? Like, can I commit to this, you know, without, you know, losing anything or much in the process? <laughs> yeah, well, it is. And I, what I, I do is I sit there and I just start adding zeros to either the time frame or the cost and go, uh-huh. okay, if I had to do this a thousand more times, right, would uh-huh. it be worth it? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, uh-huh. Something that I know we've been committing to more recently is because we have a, a because of the way we have our team scheduled, we are able to take on care for pets. That whose owners are in um, you know, long-term care facilities, actually. Uh-huh. So we're coming over three times a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Uh-huh. If I was by myself, I couldn't, we could, that's not something that we could commit to. And that's so, not sustainable either. No, no, it's not. And so trying to realizing that not just with experience, but as your services changed, as your team changes, as your service area differentiates, as your interests change, what you used to commit to may not be the same thing. And something brand new may come across your plate that you never thought of committing to that may be a great opportunity. And it's just being aware of those kind of things as they come across and knowing you know, what what is it at the end of the day that I want out of this. Exactly. And I think people need to be mindful that promises can be broken. So, yeah. And, and, and it's okay. Like, it's not like you're doing it intentionally, you know, but it's, you know, you have to look out for yourself at the end of the day and your business because it is a business. So <laughs> Exactly. Of, of, okay. This real, this business relationship isn't working out anymore. No harm, no foul. We're moving on to do something different. Yeah. That, that happens and, all the time. Yeah. And I, I always, my, my greatest piece of advice to anybody starting a business is, you know, and even in our industry is like, if you can provide a solution to the problem or how you're going to fix it, that makes the, the, the break or the, the problem solving so much easier versus saying, I'm sorry, it's not working out. We're done. Mm -hmm. But you can say, I'm sorry, we can no longer service you. Here are some other recommendations for pet care providers in your area. Something else that I, I, I noticed, uh, Savannah, is that you you describe yourself as as a founder of 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 the Savvy Pet Sitter, and I I want to know kind of how that where that view comes from and what that changes on how you you interact with your business. So I again these very deep insightful questions colin um the the founding part i thought um it's true ownership so mm. it's it's mine so um i think when you look at, historically at some of the the long lasting businesses um disney for example so walt disney was not just the owner he's also the founder so giving being the founder of something gives true ownership and possession. Um, anyone can go in and buy a business and be the owner. 
but building it from the ground up, creating the culture, you know, the policies, procedures, you know, you're, you pour your blood, sweat and tears. Like, I hate to say it, but my business is like my child or my significant other. Um, that is sometimes selfish <laughs> and very hmm. demanding, but you know, it's, it's your baby. And sometimes it needs your attention 24 seven and you have to go in and solve the problem. And, and there's, you know, just obviously you need to make sure that you have that separation and be your own individual. But, you know, going back to, you know, the pride and being proud of something um, and the passion, if, you know, you would have asked me um, when I initially started this um, business, would I consider myself an owner? No, I'm, I'm working my butt off to build something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, but it's also a matter of legacy. So mm -hmm. Disney is actually celebrating its 50th, Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom is celebrating its 50 years. And then Epcot um, is celebrating its 40 years. That's a legacy um, for Walt Disney. So it's, you know, I've been doing this for seven years, going on eight, and now it's a matter of legacy. Like I founded this company with, you know, blood, sweat and tears <laughs> and time. And it's, something that I originated, I built, I created, and it's, it's mine. And that's, you know, again, being a founder versus being an owner, because anyone can go in and buy a company and be an owner, but it's building, you know, the foundation <laughs> of the company. <laughs> the, About that. The, yes. Yes. I'm the queen of puns. I'm sorry. Um, but again, it's just building that foundation. I mean, a lot of the pet sitting companies I would consider, they are founders, you know, of their own company. So, yeah, yeah, it's st stepping back and realizing nothing existed in this space until I did something about it. That's really profound, uh, that mm -hmm. is insanely profound. And then not just that it exists, but also it's serving others. It's making money. That's not a bad thing. It's uh -huh. providing for staff if you have them. It's providing a, a livable income for you. Um, it, it is doing all of this stuff. And that's started because you did it, right? That was something that you, you, you said that phrase. I originated this. This was from me. That's important. I don't yeah. think we need, should lose sight of that. No, and I think a lot of people don't give themselves credit for building something from the ground up. Mm. And, and I think, you know, again, if you would have asked me when we first interviewed or prior to that, I wouldn't, you know, consider it. But again, going into year seven, eight and seeing what I've accomplished, not just as a, as a business owner, you know, I, it, it's, I'm still, you know, pinching myself. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. I I know each time that I have to run or do payroll, and I just look at the like the taxes that I'm paying on stuff. I'm like, man, when I was you in, said the T word. Yeah, I know. When I'm doing that <laughs> stuff, it's like, like that's real. Like that's money that that is generated that my company is paying. That yeah. is a not insignificant amount of money. That you know, ten, fifteen years ago, when I was doing other stuff, was like. That that is it's life changing to think about it in that um yeah. in that perspective. So yeah, you have to add Uncle Sam on your payroll. It, it's not a fun time. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No. <laughs> well, and so you mentioned that it, you're you're interested in more about legacy now. So what what is the, your view of the future? And and I don't know if if you do have an end goal for the business, but kind of where what's your mindset on that these days? 
Um, I would like definitely to grow my business bigger. Um, obviously a controlled growth. Um, but I think, you know, and this can obviously change, you know, my, one of my goals, um, when I hit, if I hit my 10 year was to break into six figures and I, I broke that, um, last year. Nice. So, and I'm on track to break it again this year. Um, <laughs> so, um, the, I think, you know, things can change obviously, but you know, as of now, I think when I retire, um, I will retire the business as well, but that's not saying that, you know, if the opportunity came is like, Hey, I want to buy your company for mm. X amount of money and you're retiring. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm like, sure. I mean, that's, you know, I, I actually had one of my colleagues, um, actually just sold his business. Um, and it's in primarily services, the same area as me, but he serviced a community called celebration, which was in Disney property. So he went through that process, but he still started, um, or restarted his own pet sitting and dog walking business as well. So, um, but initially like if I could, you know, this is what's going to happen. That's what I would ideally would like to happen. But again, things change, you know, you know, we can't, we can only control so much in our lives. <laughs> that is, that is, that is true. But sometimes those, those changes happen. Um, they're just kind of serendipitous and, and how they mm-hmm. come about. And some other times they're pretty, pretty intentional. And so you, you've started something brand new as well, uh, uh, is you started a YouTube channel specifically for, for calming music for pets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, this is fascinating, Savannah. Why was this important for you to start? Um, so I think a lot of it had to do with, I hate that we use the P word and the T word a lot, um, for this podcast, but the pandemic. Um, so the, obviously a lot of pet sitting and dog walking businesses closed or lost a lot of, um, clients because, you know, people were working from home. They weren't traveling as much. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, a lot of your conversations, like, I think after that, when people were going back to work were, um, how to diversify your income. And that was kind of a, a key word, um, like diversifying your income streams. So a lot of talk was about e-commerce and, you know, offering training videos and coaching videos and books and all that fun stuff. And I'm just like, I like those ideas, but I'm just like, I'm not a hundred percent feeling them. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, um, I, t- I don't know about you, Colin, but when I'm usually working on something, I like to have some background noise. Um, and you know, while I'm working and I, I don't, I wish it would have hit me sooner because I would have been so much further along, but w- I leave music on for my clients all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, there are actually four primary, um, YouTube pet music channels on, on YouTube. Um, so Mm -hmm. there is opportunity to compete. It's not like there's hundreds of thousands. Um, but there's, there's four, but, um, I feel like with my connections and, um, the community of the pet sitters and dog walkers, like this could, you know, take off, you know, with, you know, me connecting with them. It's like, Hey, here's my pet music YouTube channel. Um, please take a look and, you know, I hope you can, you know, get it onto your client's TV when you go away after your visit or between visits. So, 
um, it literally again ha- happened when I was just like, why am I not doing this? <laughs> Cause I do, I do it for myself and I do it for my clients. I'm like, why can't I get a piece of the, the pop YouTube pie here? Mm. So, and, um, I know, um, Doug Keeling and a couple and Dan with Dan's dog walking, they have their own YouTube channels. I'm personally not comfortable being on screen. <laughs> sure. So, um, <laughs> let's go a different route here. <laughs> no, it is. It is. I, I recommend people leave, you know, white noise, a fan mm-hmm. video, something playing for their pets, even if they don't really experiencing any of the separation anxiety or much of that. It's just a nice benefit to have. And is in a lot of people, a lot of pet owners don't even think to do that or that it's an option for them. So this is a, a, a great tie-in to your existing business to be able to, again, say, I'm the originator of this. This is how passionate we are. This is something we're trying to do about this problem for you. Well, I also add on to that is like, would you like to listen to deafening silence for eight hours a day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> and, and and I also point out to them is just like we don't know what they're hearing when we're not around. So like yeah. you may have a dog that, you know, like was never afraid of thunderstorms and loud bangs, and then suddenly like the next day, like you drop a pan and you know, God forbid the dog like is hiding under the bed. <laughs> so it helps like cancel out any outside noises. Like we we we're in we're in Disney territory. The fireworks go off every night. You know, we have thunderstorms. We're in Central Florida. Mm. So I mean, if I can cancel out that noise and mitigate any additional stress or sh- triggers. I'm more, I'm more power to the, the YouTube channel, I say. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's an, and it's another just kind of creative outlet as you come and think of this stuff. And that's, that's another part of being a, a founder, being an entrepreneur is going, what other things, what new things can we help set the tone for the business? Yes, um, I'm your your pet sitting and dog walking Imagineer. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I okay, I'm writing that down. I love that so much. Oh my gosh, I'll send you my consultation fee later. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'll get the rights to print that on a shirt. Okay, <laughs> you can only sell that at Disney. It would sell at Disney. I pr- I promise you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Savannah, I want really want to thank you for your time today and for sharing your experiences through this. But I know that. There is a lot more, and if people are interested in uh, going and checking out your YouTube channel, how can they follow along with Savvy Sitter and go check out that channel? So right now, it's kind of hard to find if you just put in Peaceful Pet Music. Um, A lot of the other um, videos will show up um, that with the more established uh, channels, but um, I'm sure you're going to put in the link um, to directly go to the... um, the main page for the YouTube channel. So that, and all you have to do is subscribe and push on the notification button and it should pop up, you know, pretty easily when you put in peaceful pet music or subscribe to my channel. And we, we pretty much update videos every week. So I have, um, a nice snowfall, um, video now with a cat and a dog and it's a pug with its tongue sticking out trying to catch the snow flurries. So it's quite amusing. Um, but I have Santa Claus coming next week. So he'll be flying over the skies, um, delivering 
presents to all the good pups and kitties. So it's the Savvy Sitter um, on Instagram. And then our website is the SavvySitter.org. And we're also on Instagram for um, peaceful pet music as well. Perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll have those, I'll have all those links on there. And I know you've got some QR codes that people can get access to to make it really easy to download and get access to those videos. You can use them as stickers. I know you've talked about that and you can include them on your website and people can, I know, just contact you if they want to get access to those. Um, Savannah, I really appreciate getting to, to catch up with you. I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you so much. Queen of puns. I'm happy yeah. to entertain at any time, but it's always nice to talk to you as well, Colin. And I have to say congratulations on creating a possum um, pet sitting community, um, both here audioly and on social media as well. You've definitely created something possum. Awesome. So. <laughs> thank you. Uh, that means a lot, Savannah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank My you. pleasure. What are you committed to? We commit ourselves to so many things every single day, and we overcommit ourselves easily, sometimes without even trying too hard. When our passion is fueling the commitment, though, it's easier to see when we have overstepped that boundary, when we have overcommitted ourselves, because the passion is not there to fuel the commitment. At the end of the day, having those good boundaries and knowing why you started and why you continue will help you make good decisions on what you ultimately will commit to and what you will not commit to. We want to thank today's sponsor, Time to Pet, and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Make sure you check out our show notes and on our website to learn more about them. Megan and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, and you're looking forward to an amazing new year, and uh, we'll be back again soon. (laughs) 